What's going on, Trophy Kids? It is the college football episode. This is a good one. We brought on Liddell again. We're talking both playoff games. He's actually going to the UC Alabama game. Then we're breaking down some of the remaining bowl games, a little NFL talk. This is one of our better ones, I think. I hope you enjoy this content. Hope you enjoy the show we put together. Thank you for your continued support. I hope you have a wonderful New Year's Eve and welcome into the new year. And let's go. Trophy Kids presented by Bad News Media. It is December 30th, the college football playoff episode. We have brought back Liddell. I apologize for those who are watching. You are currently seeing my bedroom because I am stuck with COVID and it is an absolute disaster right now. But how are we doing today, good sir? I'm doing well. Uh, I've uh, yeah, been enjoying the college football bowl games, kind of. <laughs> what a, a disaster bit. that has been so far. <laughs> I mean it's uh it just like you don't know who's playing every night it's uh i mean I, we all know the games like pre-christmas always suck yeah actually really just pre-new year's eve they always kind of suck but um i'm still watching because that's what we do correct absolutely have it on when they're not getting canceled for covid release reasons or like these kind of yeah. antiquated rules that we have there that aren't adopting with the times and players opting out i mean Today, perfect example. Two games that should have some intrigue, but with guys missing in COVID, you got Iowa State, Clemson, Oregon, Oklahoma. Both games that have interest in, but like at this point, who knows who's going to end up playing in those games? Yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing yeah, with. It, like, oh, go yeah. ahead. I was going to say, for example, with Oregon, is I can never pronounce the defensive lineman's name. Is he playing? No, Thibodeau's out. He opted out. So they're their best corner. And. They don't have a head coach because Danny Lang is coming over from Georgia and he's not there yet because he's prepping with Georgia. Not that he'd be able to coach in the game anyway, but at least be around the program. And then Oklahoma does have Stoops coaching, though. Stoops will be on the sideline. Which is the headstone. Awesome. Yep. <laughs> I do like that. Caleb Williams is playing, obviously, because he's a freshman. But, yeah, um, I do like that Stoops is coming back into the, right. the headset. That's enough reason for me to watch. I'll be there. Exactly. Um. What was I going to say in the bowl season? I want to. Oh, I feel so bad for the people who like try to handicap these games ahead of time too, because it's like literally you have to wait until the day of. I don't know why anybody in the world is trying to give out any advice. It's gonna we're gonna give it about the playoff games here, which is tough because who knows? I would assume they're locked in like airtight bubbles at this point. These teams, but um, it's tough. It's just a tough way that sports are going. We're seeing in college basketball, our program at Xavier's not having games right now. It's ripping through the sports, unfortunately, which makes it difficult to to kind of talk about and handicap or even give a preview of i'm very hopeful that within the next few weeks basically leading up to the nfl playoffs some of the rules that are being used are really going to adjust because it seems like um yeah the rules were made a year and a half ago and the science isn't really supporting the rules that were there so hopefully we see some adjustments and we don't have a playoff where a starting quarterback has to sit out due to COVID or whatever it might be, which is a definite possibility. Hopefully we don't have to live in that world. I am terrified of what would happen for the college football national championship of COVID because I think I read some article today that was like, they're cool with forfeiting the game due to COVID. I'm like, unacceptable. Like, just push it back a week or whatever. Like, I can't have that happen. Yeah, the SEC will find a way to make sure that does not happen. We <laughs> Very hope. Very true. Very true. Um, I think that's a good leading point. Let's talk about the games. You're actually going to be at the UC 
Bama game. That is where we'll start. Very jealous of you yep. on that point. The yep. line right now, it opened. Some shops have had it at about two scores. It's now kind of everywhere. It's got it at about 13 and a half. We'll see what the public does here. Everybody's going to be home Friday for the most part where the money will come in. But the line's at 13 and a half. Over-under is 57 and a half. I'm not going to lie. When I was breaking down this game, it, and this is a very obvious statement, people are going to be like, yeah, no shit. It's hard to find edges for UC here because, you know, you're going against the SEC. The talent pool is way bigger. On paper, there are just tons and tons of mismatches. But they're a two-point underdog right now, even though Alabama came out this week like we're the underdog. I know that you had some confidence going to it. There are some matchups that are interesting here. Give me your opening take, at least for this game, before we go diving into each side of the ball here. Um, I, I'm hopeful, but not. Like, it's super realistic. I, I anticipate Cincinnati to lose, um, which <laughs> is okay. I, I think for Cincinnati, like, the goal was to get here. Anything that happens after this is, like, icing oh. on the cake, really. Gravy. Um, yeah. So, I, I think most Cincinnati fans are traveling down with, like, a sense of optimism, but also a little realistic that it's probably not going to happen. That being said... Um, the last time Cincinnati was in this position was like almost 10 years ago to the day or nine years ago to the day, something like that. Um, it was the number three team in the country, Cincinnati, Tony Pike, uh, led by Tony Pike. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Some throwback names for you, Marty Gilliard, um, my favorite football team of all time, but um, they went against a Florida team with the likes of Tim Tebow, Riley Cooper, Aaron Hernandez, Marquise Pouncey, Joe Hayden, <laughs> Carlos Dunlap. Uh, the list goes on and on. Like, it's an absolutely absurd team. Yep. Uh, um, and not a lot of people remember that was the number one team in the country coming off a national title all season. And then they played Bama in the SEC title game, similar to a Georgia this season. Um and they lost to Bama in the title game. So Cincinnati got stuck with them, got absolutely trounced. Um, so that is definitely in the back of every single Cincinnati fan that I talked to's mind. But the difference this time is that team was led by offense and the defense was horrific. And this time it's kind of the opposite where it's led by a great defensive unit, which I think can help keep you in any game. Um, and this offense is decent. They have uh, uh, a first round potentially first round quarterback after that the drop off's pretty heavy but you got a few nfl players in there um with jerome forge probably late round maybe a um guy that gets picked up after the draft but um pierce the wide receiver will definitely be drafted ritter will definitely be drafted alignment here or there so there's some reason to believe this is a good cincinnati team now when you go up against any sec team specifically alabama georgia um. Yeah, you're gonna be in some trouble with like man to man matchup. It's tough. Th- there are some glaring um, matchups that are that are rough. Um, when you look at, for example, UC's defensive line versus the Alabama offensive line, they're very undersized. But then, like you said, the defense is strong. Linebacker and back is. I mean, linebackers are good. Defense is the secondary is elite of elite. I mean, that's the best group. Correct. All three players grade out the highest on the UC team. I mean, hell, you got Kobe Bryant winning the Jim Thorpe Award, best corner in the country, and he's not even the best corner on the team. Now, that's not to downplay Bryant, but like Sauce Gardner is just there who just nobody throws to. And that's an interesting matchup within the game. I'm assuming he'll be matched up on William or um, Jamison Williamson of Alabama. That'll be an interesting matchup. But yeah, it is in the offensive line versus Alabama's defensive line. That's concerned. I, I think let's first go 
I think the weaker side, the bigger glaring mismatch, at least for me, UC's offense versus Alabama's defense. Do you think they can have any form of success here going up against that Alabama defense with what they're bringing? Like you said, the talent, it's good, but can it do really any damage against Alabama's defense? So going off of Cincinnati playing against quote-unquote elite talent type of teams, which is in the past 363 days, is a game against Notre Dame and a game against Georgia. The offense wasn't great in either of those games, but in both games they had big play capability. In the Georgia game, Jerome Ford, I believe it was in the first quarter, had a 75-yard run. Um, against Notre Dame down the stretch, Ritter made a ton of big 20-plus type of throws. Um, specifically, a go route to Pierce has been Cincinnati's like go-to yep. whenever they need anything. Is like we're just going to throw it up T. Higgins style and hope for the best, um, and it's been working. So I think those type of chunk plays are there, um, those type of home run plays. Um, I'm more worried about like the amount of three and outs that are going to occur because. Yeah. Um, like the seven, eight yard style runs that are available against SMU in UCF and Memphis. Um, those probably won't be available. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a major concern for me, but I think like I'm hoping for like a mid twenties type of performance and then just hopefully the defense can maybe get a score. So if we get, I don't know, three touchdowns, four, if you're lucky. So looking at upper 20s and then maybe a defensive turnover can push you into the 30s I think that's the world where Cincinnati could win this game or at least keep it close um but maybe that's dreamland because I I can't remember exactly how many points they scored against Georgia last year but I think it was like maybe lower 20s yeah and I think unfortunately some people I get it, it you know people will point out you know Georgia probably didn't give a shit about that game and whatever but I think there's a benefit to that game in the and it may be a false confidence but mentally I think it's UC's coming to this game a little bit better prepared because they played that game last year they saw SEC speed they saw SEC size and they said hey we hung around it even if you buy into the theory that Georgia didn't really give a shit about the game it's sort of a false confidence where you when you show up and you see that maroon or what I think they're wearing white Alabama and I think UC gets their black jerseys which want edge right there mentally look good feel good play good but <laughs> the maroon is way more intimidating than Alabama whites but when you look over to the sideline you see that team I would have to imagine for most schools it's kind of like a oh shit, shit your pants moment. Like oh yeah. we gotta we yeah. actually gotta go play them. Sort of like that scene from like Friday Night Lights the movie where they play Carter High School. It's like oh damn these dudes are big and fast, different. Yep. But they played Georgia and they played them tough and they didn't throw up all over themselves. So there is that false confidence going into this game. I think of like you know what we played an SEC team. We hung in there. They didn't just drum us out of the stadium. And that builds a little confidence. I like that you've mentioned Alex Pierce a couple. I think he's a guy that has not been highlighted a ton because this is a guy who gets up when it comes to contested footballs. This is a man that can go out and make a play and get up there, attack the ball at the high point. I don't think he's been giving enough credit um, as a weapon. He's great, but I every time I listen or read anything, they don't seem to highlight that. I think that's a matchup where UC's got to take advantage. Trey Tucker's been good. I think you kind of hit the head on the nail, though, in these three and outs. You're not going to have a lot of success running the ball, I would assume, against this defensive line in Alabama in front seven, who's very big, fast, aggressive. They can sub in a ton of guys. UC's offensive line's been decent. You know, they're a top-tier team when you look at, like, tackles for loss allowed. They're bottom of the barrel there. Like, they, they do a good job, but they haven't played a team like this. 
it comes down to Desmond Ritter for me. And he's got to play out of the world. My biggest concern, Desmond Ritter does two things that are not good. First, his first halves have seemed to be terrible. I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but he seems to kind no, of... you're right. Lights are a little bit too big, a little jittery, and then second half rolls around, he's good. You got to be good in the first half. And second of all, he progressively gets violently worse as the downage gets tougher. Because on third down versus first and second down, he's bad. I mean, he's got a rating of 99.3. He's absolutely terrible. He's only completed 44% of his passes on third down. First down and second down, he's fantastic. I think that's sort of the key, and I think, you know, if I'm saying this, Nick Saban knows it, though. Being aggressive on first down, throwing the ball, which they've done, using play action on first down is sort of the way you get going, but that's the other concern. You're going up against Bama, who's got a month to prepare for this. Can Ritter kind of have the performance that you need to keep them in this number, do you think? That's uh, it, it's it's really strange because when you think of a school like Cincinnati, the idea of having a first round caliber quarterback is like unheard of. Um, so you would think everybody is in love with him, and this is all respect to Desmond Ritter, but I don't know one Cincinnati fan who like seriously thinks Ritter is like that great. Every single person complains about it because he misses a lot of throws. Um, like you've said on third down, he's pretty horrible oh it's bad um, when you look at the splits yeah, it gets progressively yeah, it, worse <laughs> it's bad so it, it makes you think maybe he's good with i don't know in, in, in rhythm type of plays but the longer deeper ones he's not as good i don't know what it what exactly it is and i don't really know what nfl scouts look at him and think oh yeah that's a that's a late first round type of talent i mean i, I get some of it but um i think if you were to rank like cincinnati quarterbacks in the last 20 years um, most fans would not have Ritter as their favorite quarterback, even though he has set every school record. He easily has the best winning percentage that a Cincinnati quarterback probably will ever have. Um, it, well, a lot of that's just being a four-year starter. But yep. um, no, the, the confidence is not super high going into the game. But if he cannot turn the ball over, and like I said, just get one or two big plays, that might be enough to keep it close. Yeah, and, and I I need to make a correction. I said 44% on third down. He's 46.8%, so that uh, extra 2.8% well, is important. Yeah, but that's it. He dropped from a 73% percentage completion on first down to 46 on third. His rating goes from 187 to 99. He's almost five yards less average completion um, on third down compared to first and second down. Um, it, it It's a... It's a big drop off. And so I think it's major. Yeah. And you see to their credit, to the offensive coordinator's credit, when I've watched the games, he sort of recognizes that they do pass a good amount on first down. They do utilize play action a lot on first down. I think the thing that they're going to need to do maybe a little bit more, that's something I don't know if people have really been talking about, is use Ritter's legs more designed. Because we've seen teams that give this Alabama defense trouble, the Floridas of the world, um, A&M of the world, those quarterbacks have been able to get out of the pocket, make a throw get downfield, rush the ball. I think that's gonna. there's going to have to be some design plays, and Ritter's really going to have to step up getting flushed out of the pocket and making a big throw, which, once again, that's where that Alex Pierce comes into play on a broken play, high ball, jump ball, one-on-one. That could be a mismatch for them because there's not a lot. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have a whole lot of confidence on that side of the ball. Flip it, where I think the matchup gets way more interesting, as you alluded yeah. to. The UC defense is where you maybe start to find some edges. There's a glaring, I think, mismatch 
offensive line of Alabama versus the UC defensive line because they're just undersized, which happens. But linebackers and secondary, fantastic for UC. And then on the other side of the ball, you're losing Menchie, which is a huge loss, but we know Alabama's got some depth at wide receiver. You have Bryce Young, Heisman winner, who, opposite of Ritter, gets better as the downage gets tougher, it seems like. Do we think UC can match up well against this Alabama offense and keep them within a respectable range where maybe you can have confidence in betting the 14? I know we're not going to give the pick right now or anything, but do we think they can keep it close, I guess, or make a play here and there? Sincerely, I think they can. I, I hope I'm right. I think all of us would have said Georgia is going to shut down Alabama, keep them under at least 30 points. Alabama destroyed that. Uh, um, but I, I really have confidence in Cincinnati's secondary. Um, like you said, they have three guys who are NFL talent, two of which are upper. I mean, one of will be, I mean, Sauce Gardner is going to be a first round pick, maybe oh, yeah. top 20 type of pick. Um, so I, I think there's real confidence on the defensive side of the ball. Um, the run game is really what worries me. I'm, I'm not as scared in the passing game. And I know that's ridiculous because you're going against a Heisman candidate, but he will be without his debatably number one wide receiver. Um, and he's probably going up against one of the better secondaries he's going to see. And I know that's ridiculous because it's Cincinnati and Cincinnati's a group of five team, but it is, it's the truth. It's going to be one of the hardest secondaries that he plays against all season. Um, so like I said earlier, keep them, 30 or less is my goal and uh that really is like a plus plus if you get a turnover that leads to like an easy score too so if there's a world where you could keep them under 30 and get a turnover maybe a pick six or a fumble in their own territory um that's the type of game they need to have and i think that's good enough at least to keep it close and then if it comes down to the end um you never know what can happen i don't disagree with that at all i mean like you said the secondary between the three guys, Sauce Gardner, Kobe Bryant, and then Brian Cooks, the safety, when they, that group of three is targeted, they're only completing 48% pass completion against those three. They've yeah, got seven picks down. to three touchdowns. It's a shutdown unit. And for those of you who are like, oh, it's a group of five, they haven't really played anybody, go rewatch some of those games. These dudes have fantastic technique. They are super athletic. Like, I get that there's a step up. It's going to be harder because you have more guys at wide receiver or more athletic depth-wise. And, you know, there's no real downplay. Where like When you're playing the SMUs, the temples of the world, you can take a play off here and there and maybe not go 100% where you're going to have to do that. But these guys are phenomenal. And we've seen Alabama struggle against an Auburn secondary, who I would say this secondary is better than. I And that's not a crazy Definitely. thought. I think if you think that's a crazy thought... You really need to kind of do some homework here. Once again, I think you hit it perfectly. The threat here is the run game. Saban and that coaching staff, he's got more analysts than any program on the face of the planet here, um, are going to understand that their advantage is going to be running the ball here. That sort of helps with keeping it under 30. I have concerns, like I said, against the defensive line, but you've got good edge guys that can get to Bryce Young and make him uncomfortable. And I agree, it's it's... It's more bend, don't break here. And I do think yep. that this defense has the capabilities. And the matchups are going to be super interesting. I'm very excited for this side of the ball. One thing before we kind of get our last bit out here that I am very concerned about, and this does not bode well for UC, UC has no kicking game whatsoever. It is a no, weak it's spot. It's tough if you're going to look to bet UC. If you're looking for a, a, a shot to bet UC, their kicker is currently... Sh- kicking under 50 percent 
it's not good. And that could really bite them in the butt because they're, I think, to, I'm not even going to say win this game. Keep it within the 14. You're going to have to get an all-out effort from every unit. And everybody's like, yeah, no shit. But, like, there can't be any issues here. You, you can't even kind of stumble, I think. But, and some people will go, the offensive line for Alabama has been trashed all year. They've had a month to get that better. They played better in the Georgia game. Like, I fully expect Alabama to look like Alabama here. I hope UC has also had a month. Let's see what Luke Fickle can do. He had a complete brain dump against Georgia last year. Learn from that. Yep. I'm hoping that they come out kind of Boise style here to begin the game and have some fireworks because I think that's what you're going to need. I think you're going to have to punch, try to punch Alabama in the mouth, give him a haymaker early, and then just lean on your defense. And that's what I'm hoping for here. I don't know if you have anything else on this game, but it's it's interesting. No, I, I think our thoughts are pretty similar. Um, I just, as someone that is paying a decent amount of money to travel, I hope it stays close. I hope we still have a game um, in the third quarter. Um, and I think it's possible. I, I, I do think Cincinnati is a good football team. Same. Um, and we have seen all season. I know we had the Georgia game, which has changed everyone's opinion about Alabama miraculously. But Alabama wouldn't be in this game if it wasn't for a fourth and nine completion at Auburn late yep. in the game. And then add in the eight other things that went their way um, late in that game, like Auburn running out of bounds on a second down that would have basically put the clock at 10 seconds either way going way too deep into the details here. This isn't the best Alabama team. It's actually one of the worst Alabama teams we've seen in the last 10 years, which is insane because they have a Heisman Trophy um, winner playing quarterback. But this is a flawed Alabama team. This is the best Cincinnati team I will probably ever see in my life. So if there was a chance for an upset, the hope is that it's now, but it still is Alabama versus Cincinnati. And um, history doesn't really bode that well for small programs beating Nick Saban. No, it also doesn't bode well for double-digit underdogs. In the playoff air, double-digit underdogs are 0-6 straight up, and they're 2-4 and against the spread. So the favorites have done work in this spot. Um, another part, UC is they play downhill. They like to play on the other side of the ball defensively. They are top 15 in tackles for losses on defense. So this is a team that it can be aggressive. I... It, it will be interesting. I wouldn't be overly aggressive because, as we saw with Georgia, when they went blitz-heavy in that second half, it kind of bit them in the ass. Once again, the secondary is a little bit better, so you can leave guys on islands. I think that if Ritter plays to his full potential and his defense plays to their full potential, UC should hang in this game. The offensive line is also going to hold up their end. I, that's a concern point. But I think if those two things happen, this game is controllable. If Ritter has a first half like he's been having and bad on third down, uh, this game could get ugly quickly, um, which is if you want to bet UC, I think you're probably better off waiting to see if that number comes up. I have a feeling it's going to go to 14 because the public's going to come in heavy on Alabama. And then you could throw them in a teaser, make it a three-score game. I like that a little bit better. It's a tough game. I'm going to wait to see what happens here, but uh, I think we broke it down pretty pretty good. Um, and I do think UC has a shot. I've been a big UC guy all season. Which is yeah, weird as a Xavier fan. I said it from literally yeah. preseason. They are making the playoffs because they didn't stub, they didn't fumble and throw a ball of themselves against Georgia last year. They've been there. They are well deserving. I don't want to hear people if they get their asses kicked like this is why they shouldn't be in. No bullshit. Um, they're fine. It's an interesting game. They just got to play. They got to play their game. And if they play their game and they play well, and Ritter shows up, I think they're fine to make it competitive. If they don't, because yep. Alabama's flawed, 
it could be an it could be a drum in real quick. It could be ugly. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right. Second playoff game, the night game. Yep. Which, by the way, do you like it on New Year's Eve? I hate it. Same. Okay. Just glad. <laughs> I, the last thing I want to do at a New Year's Eve party is have to focus on football. Like I, I spend so much of my life focusing on football already. New Year's Eve is a night to not have the TV on for the most part. Like I just want to go talk to people instead. I, I don't know. Like, have you ever watched like a good sporting event on New Year's Eve? No. Like, it's always been horrible. Yeah. I'm in the one year they did the the first year they did it on New Year's Eve. The ratings were terrible, and they sat here terrible. like, "Why were the ratings so bad?" It's like because the vast majority of us that don't have a rooting interest, and before gambling got like way way big, yep. don't care. We have other things to do. Like it's a and for us who do care, it's a grind to get through the season, to get through bowl season. If you're doing the NFL, like I do, it's like I'm with you. I'm like I just wanted a night off. And meanwhile, I'm going to be going over to my buddy's house for the second game, and we're going to be sitting around to watch that second game until it either gets out of control or it's competitive until we start doing other things like i'm gonna be glued to the tv yep. and I, I don't know i much it prefer also sucks if you're at the game yeah it starts at 7 30 on the east coast it'll probably get delayed a little bit if the first game is still going on um so we're looking at like an 8 p.m start there's a realistic chance the ball drops while you're in the stadium <laughs> and maybe it's like late in the fourth quarter in a close game like that just sucks. Yeah, it's terrible. If you put it the next day, people are hungover. They're on their couches. Like, they're ready to watch. They're eating. Like, it's just, it's a better deal, like, to have it the yeah, next day. Growing up, January 1st was football heaven. Yeah. You had the Rose Bowl. Perfect. You had usually a Fiesta Bowl, Sugar Bowl at night. Like, that. that's as good as it gets. Yeah, and um, and since, I would love for the playoff to always be January 1st. Correct. And ever since I've been old enough to go out and drink, the next day, sitting around hungover, watching football has been phenomenal. Like, that's my, yeah, I look forward to it. Yeah, it's the absolute yeah. best. But yeah. whatever. All right, got delayed there. Um, let's talk Michigan, Georgia. The line's moved a little bit. It's at 7.5. It opened at 8.5. Um, this game, it's funny because I was talking to a buddy and I said, if you had to pick, oh, that's funny. The book's already offering a college football national championship line of Alabama versus Georgia right now. One. Um, interesting. Okay. <laughs> Tells you what Vegas thinks. Yeah. Um, I think this is the worst matchup for Michigan, but it could still be close because you are stylistically what Michigan wants to do offensively is going against an absolute monster in the Georgia run defense. The line's at seven and a half. What are your opening thoughts going into this game? How do you feel? The matchups are interesting. If you, if you remember the last time I was on, I told you that Georgia was not winning the national title. You and did. I, that was my that was my hot take. Georgia is uh, not as good as we think they are, and I am doubling down on that here. I think this is a near pick'em game. I think it's coming down to the end. I I understand all the Georgia love, and they were great all season. Um, the other half of my hot take the last time I was on was that Ohio State is going to win the national <laughs> title. Uh, I left that part out. Um, I was shocked by what Michigan did to Ohio State. Shocked. Same. I thought Ohio. I thought Ohio State was on its way to like I think when they won in 2014, whenever that was, 2015, they lost at home to Virginia Tech in Week Two. I thought we were getting a repeat of that. Um, Ohio State has three first-round caliber wide receivers, a future first-round Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. I, I I was all in on Ohio State, and Michigan 
from start to finish demolished them. The, the score was a lot closer than it deserved to be. Um, and I understand that Ohio State is built completely differently than Georgia. Like almost everywhere that Ohio State is strong, Georgia's weak and vice versa. But I don't care. Like, I, I watched the team that I thought was going to win the national title in Ohio State get demolished by Michigan. I like this Michigan team. Um, I think the line is a little too high. I was expecting it to be more around like the six range. Um, so I like betting Michigan with the points. What What's their money line? Like a 300-ish? I'm looking at FanDuel right now for transparency. It's at uh, plus 220. Now you might get plus better at other, bo- at other books, but at FanDuel. Yeah, 220 right seems now. low to me, but I, I don't know. I, I like the points. I, I, I think it's closer than people think it is. And a, a lot of my reasoning behind that is that I don't think Georgia's offense is that great. That's um, fair. And the game can stay close because of that. Now, will Michigan score 20 points? I don't know. <laughs> will they score 12 points? I don't know. They might not. Yeah. Um, and I, I know that's the worry, but I'm also not confident in Georgia's offense to put up a ton of points too. Cause I liked what I saw out of Michigan's defense basically all season minus like a wild fourth quarter against Michigan state where a lot of that wasn't exactly their fault, but I, I, I like Michigan's team overall. I think this is the best Harbaugh team that he's had. Um, like I said, a wild fourth quarter away from being 13 and zero right now. Yep. Um, I think this Michigan team's good. I, I, I also think Georgia is good, but I I've told you before my hot take basically the last month and a half has been Georgia's not winning national title. And I'm going to stick by that. Now, whether they lose here, or to Cincinnati the national title game. <laughs> yeah. We will see. Um, but I have Georgia losing at some point. Um, so I'm going to say Michigan keeps it close. That's fair. All right. Do we think, I mean, I guess that kind of answers my next question, but I would say, do you think Harbaugh can not trip all over himself? Because <laughs> I mean, there's always a question with Harbaugh, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it, it, that's one of many hangups I have. And I do like Michigan. Michigan has made me eat a lot. Because yeah, I have been same. very harsh on Michigan, um, and I haven't been a big believer in them. I think I've pretty fairly pointed out some of their holes that are still there and concerns I have, yep. but they have overperformed in areas that I didn't. I didn't think they were as good in certain areas that they are overly exceeding at right going, now. Going into the season, what did you have this Michigan team being? Oh, I forget what I put their like win a, total at. Like but an yeah. eight and four. Like I thought they were going to get smoked. I thought it was going to be the same team as every year because they That's right. they didn't change too much stylistically. I know defense changed a little bit. Um, they changed their scheme a little bit, which I did think was going to be a larger adjustment for them. But I didn't think. I thought the fact that Cade can't really air it out, they were going to get smoked by Ohio State. They're probably going to lose to Wisconsin in a tough one, which is actually the game I'm going to lean on most for my analyst here or my analysis yep. here. I thought that they were probably going to have a dog fight with Michigan State, but win that game, which I was wrong on. So yeah, I, I thought it was going to be a very stereotypical Michigan year. Like I thought, Same. you know, nothing was going to change really. Yep. And I know, like, if you just go through, like, I'm just looking through some of Michigan's games down the stretch. And I know Iowa is not a great Iowa team, but 42 to three. Yeah. 42 to three. That's something. It's similar to when Ohio State won their national title. They won 59 nothing against the Wisconsin team, if you remember in that Big yep. Ten title game. I don't care who you're playing. If you win 42 to three, that means something. I hate that Michigan was so close against Penn State because I think Penn State is absolutely awful. Same. Um, I think that I've said earlier in the season, I think 
James Franklin situation at Penn State is a gas leak that nobody's smelling because it is yeah. it's not good. Like he's on his I what, think they're really like bad. fifth coordinator in like seven years on offense. Like yeah. it's just I, I've been ragging on them all season, but I think the Penn State. I know their recruiting class next year is like out of this world, but like I, if you're a Penn State fan, I think there's a major gas leak that you just can't smell right now. <laughs> yeah, and weirdly enough, he's still like one of the most coveted college coaches whenever a job comes up i don't get it i mean yeah i mean he's a great recruiter but like he, he's gone through I, I forget the number now i can't think off the top of my head but it's like it's something like five ocs in like seven years like it, yeah. anybody who's going through that many ocs and firing them there's concern that they don't really understand what's going on like yeah their own it's program. a difference if it's like the saving thing where all of his assistants Correct. get hired somewhere else versus like they just get taken because they're going to go be a head coach somewhere else whereas Penn State is letting guys go because right. of whatever underperformance. He fired a guy in COVID like his first year the last OC's first year was in the COVID year and he fired him after that year where you don't have an off, you didn't have an off season. You barely had a preseason. Like <laughs> you're changing the entire style. Practice much, yeah. Yeah. And you fire him like they play decent and you just fire him right away. It like it's just yeah the James Franklin thing. I I I I sort of like yeah, him but I also I, I, like I got us yeah. off track. I apologize. Oh but you got point being still Michigan uh, my original point being that Michigan did <laughs> overperform way beyond what either you and I ever thought they would be. Correct. Um, and I don't know. I, I kind of like a team that's hot at the right time of year. I do too. I think there are some concerns. Like when I look at this game, the best game I think I can compare it to for trying to get a feel for this is when they played Wisconsin because they have a very similar defense to what Georgia is going to present. In yep. Michigan, struggled to run the ball. They only averaged, I think, 2.6 yards carry in that game they ran it like 45 times the now granted you know end of the year the offensive line is playing much better for michigan that's a group that i mean you got to give a round of applause to like they even if they get punched in the mouth they punch right back the um, ohio state game was like the best offensive line performance i've seen all season and michigan's offensive line has not been good correct it was yep. fantastic now they are going yep. against a defense that grades you know 29 percent of runs on early downs against georgia are graded successful like this is a defense you're running right into the teeth of them especially because michigan likes to run inside they're not a big outside run team like that's their bread and butter so i have some concerns there which puts it on kate which has been my biggest concern all season now to kate's credit been phenomenal against the blitz he's been great down the stretch hardball has kind of messed up his rhythm by putting in jj at times which has been unfortunate but Cade's really gonna i mean he's the key here because i don't think they're gonna have much success running the ball and you kind of you can't really adapt what alabama did because you just don't have the talent outside i heard a stat which was kind of staggering michigan wide receivers are only catching at a 35 percent rate against contested throws Compare that to Georgia, who I would agree does not have a great wide receiving court. They're getting at 62%. Like, it's pretty yeah, bad. Yeah, it's a massive difference. Yeah, and so, like, that was kind of awestrucking. But Cade doesn't turn over the ball a ton. If you blitz him, which Georgia, Kirby sort of kind of panics a little and goes blitz heavy, which I don't dislike. But against Cade, he, he, can, he can torch you here. It's on Cade's shoulders. And I have legitimate concerns as to whether or not Cade can push the ball down the field and take advantage of the opportunities they're going to have because I don't think they're going to have much success against running the ball. But then again, I could be proven wrong and Michigan could out, their offensive line could win those battles. But even if they're winning the battles, I think it's like at a 52% rate. Like they're not going to be, 
if they really dominate Georgia, like just crown them the national champion. Because like if that offensive line overperforms, I I just have a hard time. That Georgia defensive line is so good. The concerns the secondary. You have to take advantage of there. And I just I don't know if Michigan, a team who runs on sixty one percent of early downs, and they're going to continue to do that, has the ability. That's an interesting dynamic. The Michigan offense versus the, the Georgia defense is interesting for me. I do also think this is a game that if it snows ball, it this game really to me, I'm sort of like rambling right now, but this game to no. me is like an arms race. It's whoever gets up like by two scores first, I think kind of wins this game because neither of these teams, same criticism I have for Michigan offensively, I could probably reverse and make the same thing for Georgia. I don't think Stenson Bennett and the Georgia offense are built to play from behind. Now they do have a little bit more talent. They're getting pickings back pretty healthy. He's had more time to rehab. They're getting some guys on defense back who had a month to rehab. It's a little bit of a different story for Georgia, but I think both these teams, neither one is really built to play from behind, so it's really who can get up first or up early first I think is going to win this game. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with it at all. Um, I think my major take or the thing that I'm going to feel strong about is that this isn't an obvious Georgia is going to smack them, in my opinion. And when you're given, what is it, eight and a half points or something like seven that? And a half. It opened at eight. And seven, a half. seven and a half. I like taking a chance on the points. I, I don't think it's impossible for Michigan to win. Um, I just feel like it's more likely that Michigan keeps it close than Georgia blows them out. Um, maybe I'm wrong, and the SEC is just going to demolish in both games. Um, but possible. I'm going to stick to it. Uh, it, it definitely is possible. It seems like Vegas is already ready for the Georgia-Alabama <laughs> yeah. national title rematch of five years ago. But, hey, if if I'm wrong, I'm, I'll, I'll stand corrected, but I'm going to stick to what I told you a month and a half ago. I don't think Georgia is unbeatable. I think they're very beatable. Um, whether or not it's Michigan who beats them, I don't know. I, I think most likely scenario we're looking at is Alabama-Georgia. Alabama wins again. Like, just go off of what you've seen before. I've seen that happen so many times already. Um, but I, I see this game similar to how I – like. I know it's September and it's eight years ago basically, but Georgia-Clemson was a super tight game. It's a neutral field game. Clemson is run by their defense. Um, I know, that all came down to a pick six. Like Georgia's yeah. offense was atrocious in that game. I don't think it's impossible for this to be another – 10 to 7 or I'm, that's super low but like a 17 21 type of game um super low scoring good defense like classic uh noon o'clock big 10 football type of stuff i i can see that as being this type of game um which bodes in the favor of michigan in my opinion i don't disagree with that the michigan secondary too is very good underrated in my opinion i don't think they get enough yeah. credit for what they bring to the table in the michigan secondary which makes it tough the the other thing that i come back to with georgia it is Kirby, and I gave him a lot of crap with the SEC championship game, is a grade-A, 100% loser mentality. And I know, for whatever reason, he's got the defense recruited perfectly, but the offense seems to just be behind, and he needs to kind of do the Nick Saban approach where he goes heavy offensive recruiting. He's I heard rumors that he's uh, that Arch Manning may, is considering Georgia pretty strongly right now. That'd be huge for him. But Kirby, for whatever reason, can't figure out the quarterback position. I don't know what's going on with JT Daniels. His arm might be held together by bubblegum and duct tape right now or something or whatever. And I get Stenson Bennett has played really well. But the classic example is that Alabama game. Stenson is playing okay, not great. You're behind. You need a guy with the higher ceiling. JT's on your bench. You might as well throw him in there and see because he has the higher ceiling. He 
He has the higher ceiling in performance. You had the same thing with Jake Fromm. I get Jake Fromm was playing great, but you had Justin Fields right behind. Yeah, Justin Fields. No, no, no. He he screwed that one up. It, screwed no one saw up. it at the time, but Correct. he screwed it up. Yeah, and, and Jake Fromm, his freshman year, played fantastic, so I get it's tough. But once again, it's one of those things where like Nick Saban is a killer mentality. He took out a guy who was beloved and had earned his opportunity to be the starting quarterback in Jalen Hurts, took him out of a game, and put in Tua to win it. Kirby just doesn't have that in him right now. So that is a concern for, for me. Does he learn that lesson? Also, if you're a Georgia fan, I think... He, I don't know what's going on with Latavius Bream, one of their corners who didn't play at all in that game. He generally handles slot receivers. Bama's torched them there. I'm not sure if he's playing this week. I, I haven't really been able to find much, but you do get Chris Smith back a little bit healthier, hopefully. He's had four weeks to rehab, so that's another guy in your secondary. This is a very interesting game. I do think it can be very close, but... I think I hold true because if Stenson's the guy, same thing with Cade. I don't know if I have a ton of confidence in Stenson Bennett to go out and win game, win a game if playing from behind. I, I just I don't know if he has that in him. Now, if he's on a short leash and they're ready to put in JT and JT's healthy, that maybe changes the dynamic a little bit here. But I'm kind of with you that when it comes down to the points, I think you take Michigan. I think Georgia wins it. So putting either one of these teams in a teaser bet, I do kind of like. Yeah, but. I was going to mention if if you wanted to tease this with getting Cincinnati to plus twenty one. Yep, that's where or I'm twenty at. whatever it would be <laughs> twenty um, right now. But if it moves to uh, fourteen, yeah, you're getting that. Or you're getting that at twenty if you put it at six and a half. Getting it at yeah twenty and a half if it goes to fourteen. Or I, half. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I don't either. That's kind of my move is what I'm thinking about doing here is Cincinnati teasing them with Georgia down or Michigan up. I I think pick either one. And once again, it just comes down to who can get out first. I think at Georgia, Michigan, I agree because both teams, both of these teams are built to play with the lead. Correct. hundred percent. They're both built to run the ball, play with the lead and play really good defense, which like I said, matchup wise, obviously I think you want UC if you're Michigan, because then they really bull him in the trenches. But like, it is tough because what Michigan wants to do, I don't think they're going to have a lot of success doing. So it's going to fall on Cade. It comes down to Cade, which I've been critical of, I, that I just don't think he can make the throws. We're going to see. That's what it's going to come down to. Um. All right. Any I'm other? Put you on the spot real quick. Yeah. Minus the playoff games, what's your like? What's the bowl game you're most interested in? Utah, Ohio State, because I'm a big Utah guy. I picked them preseason to win the Pac-12. I said for the listeners out there, if you if you think Wilson and uh oh my god, I'm blanking on his name. Um, the quarterback? No, the other wide receiver for Ohio State. Um, Wilson oh, Wilson and, and um, Alave. Alave or whatever the fuck. And the guy with three names. Yeah. Um they're probably gonna opt out, grab Utah at minus or plus seven and a half. Wilson opts out, it's down to four and a half. That game I'm super interested in because I just I love the Utah program. They're playing for something bigger than themselves. They had two players die tragically this year. Um it's a I love the program. I think it's one of the most underrated programs in college football. I think that's an awesome spot. It's the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl game is one of my all time favorite games. It's like on my bucket list to go to at some point. I think that's the game I'm most interested in. We'll see with the opt outs how that one goes. I like the Oklahoma um Oregon game tonight. This is coming out tomorrow, so we'll see how that plays. But cause Stoops is there. But yeah, I, I like that game. Um I think the most out of the remaining bowls right now. What about yourself? 
Mine's the same. Maybe it's just because I'm from Ohio and my hatred for Ohio State runs very strongly through my body. But yeah, it's the same for me. Utah, Ohio State, I'm with you. Utah has been so fun to watch down the stretch. It's such a bummer that they started the season so poorly because in the last month of the season, they've looked as good as anyone, legitimately anyone in the country. Um, They demolished Oregon twice. Mm -hmm. Um, And fun fact, they have a former University of Cincinnati player as their running back, Tavion Thomas, I believe his name is. He had like five or six combined touchdowns in both of the Oregon games. Um, I love Oregon. Um, And if Ohio State is down two of their top wide receivers, that is the strength of their team. Um, The game is on the West Coast, obviously, being the Rose Bowl. Utah fans are nuts. Yep. <laughs> uh, we won't go into the reasons why, but Utah fans are nuts. And I put it expect together. it to be. Yeah, you can put it together. Uh, I expect it to be um, a like like a huge night for Utah football in general. Correct. Um, a game that means a lot more to Utah's program than it does Ohio State's program. Correct. This is a consolation prize for Ohio State. This is the biggest game that I can really remember Utah being in in the last fifteen years. Yeah, they had something that like that. Alabama, I think it was they, they Sugar Bowl, Alabama like in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, years and ago. What was that like? Twelve years ago? 15 yeah, years, something like that. Something like that. It's yeah. been a long time. It's been a yeah, either way, very long time. At least in the last decade, this is probably the biggest game for Utah. Yeah, um, riding a wave of playing incredible football down the stretch. I love Utah in this game. Um, I love your pick of the seven and a half before the guys opt out. That is like, you, you could hedge right now and call it even and hope Correct. for a three and a half to seven and a half win. Um, but yeah, it, I think this is an awesome game. Baylor Ole Miss, I really like. Yes. Really in, it, it, Baylor as a program doesn't interest me much. I love Ole Miss being good. Like, yes. <laughs> the SEC West is so fun already. Add in Lane Kiffin's attitude and Old Miss being quote unquote back if they ever were there. I don't know, but like I love Old Miss being good. Their fans are going to be insane at this game. And I don't um, think Matt Carell has officially opted out yet. Um, oh, is he going to play? He? I don't know if I might. No, I, I don't know either. I was hoping he's playing because he if will. he's playing, this becomes must watch for me. Oh, no, he's out. He is out. Never mind. Uh, I looked it up. So, all right. So, there you go. My intrigue there is already lowered. That's, this is such a weird bowl thing we live in now um you play in the sugar bowl and you opt out can you imagine that oh wait no hold up i misread that i don't think he has yeah no he has not i see a youtube clip that says opting out was never an option for matt corral two weeks ago there you go old mrs matt corral will play in the sugar bowl that's what i thought i was like i don't remember hearing that he had been out i just misread Um, the headline (laughs) yeah yeah no no you're good uh I like I like watching Ole Miss play. I love watching teams that are just let's put up fifty points. Yep, um, and their colors is awesome too. Uh, it just the new looks light faster. Blues are yeah. incredible. <laughs> the light blues are incredible. Everyone knows the light blues are incredible. Um, and yeah, and on Saturday, or I mean, yeah, on Saturday we also get Notre Dame Oklahoma State, which I think is a decent game. I don't really care for either program. I think both of those teams are kind of boring to watch. Maybe I'm being mean, but um, no, I think that's fair. I, yeah, they're not the most exciting teams to watch, but um, Fiesta Bowl, two teams that I think will care about the game. I'm going to watch, especially Notre Dame with the new coach. Yep. And Oklahoma State, similar to Utah, this is pretty big game for Oklahoma State's program. Huge game. They haven't played in many New Year's Six type of bowls. 
No, yeah, I'm with you. Um, and or Oklahoma State, you know, used to be an interesting team. Now they're all defense, but I'm with you. See what Marcus Freeman brings to the table. Um, Kyle Winningham at Utah is one of the most underrated coaches in the country. One of the best He's environments. Awesome. I love Kyle Winningham. Yep. Um, yeah, don't it, bet against Utah at home at night. Oh it's no, in, yeah. They, I don't know what they are against the spread at home at night. It's incredible. But I would, I'll take it. It's got to be like. I've, Tom Brady peak where he was like 70% against the yep. spread for like the first 15 years of his career. That's Utah at home at night. They don't lose. I forget. I brought it up on the podcast where they were playing Oregon at home because I, I had I had put a future bet out on uh, Utah to win the Pac-12 before the season started. And I said, like, if, if it comes down to Utah at Oregon or at Utah, it's Utah's wrapping it's over. It up. It's over because, like, they're and, just, it's an insane environment. They added more seats to it, and they renovated the stadium to make it louder. It's a top-five environment in college football as far as home field advantages go. And that game was over 10 minutes in. Oh, yeah, it was so quick. It was so quick. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. I like, I like Utah. I, that's that's going to be a fun game, even yeah. with Ohio State missing some of their best players. Um, I'm sure they have some backups, like Alabama fans will be oh, quick yeah. to tell you. <laughs> Ohio State has some backup wide receivers ready to go. Yeah, that they do. The depth is there. Trey Henderson will play, who's going to be one of the best running backs in the country here. I mean, he's already one of the better running backs in the country. That kid's a stud um, freshman at Ohio State. So it'll be an interesting game. Um, see what you know Stroud brings to the table, what that team looks like. I'm with you. Um, not to put you on the spot, I know we probably need to wrap this up. It's getting a little longer. But we're going to switch gears to the NFL real quick. Are you happy or upset that Zach Taylor is going to be your quarterback next or your coach next year? Because at this point, I don't think he's getting fired. And I have not been the biggest Zach Taylor fan. I know you're in a similar ish boat. I'm a big component of the talent has been overshining his kind of incompetencies and blandish offense because you have Joe Burrow and just an oozement of talent at wide receiver. Um, but given Joe Burrow just put up 500 yards against the Raven, and I have you on, I feel like I would ask the question in the NFL. Where are you at with your Cincinnati Bengals? Um, I, I mean, when you put up 525 yards on a team passing, like I can't complain too much. Uh, this was the first game where he, Zach really just said, Joe, go beat them. Yep. Uh, the Ravens secondary, as everyone knows, is a practice squad, basically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Legitimately. It, it's, it really is. It's sad. It's, it's sad. I, yeah. I'm, never going to feel bad about beating the Ravens ever. I never, ever will. And Ravens fans are like mad that we were still playing at the end of the game, which is hilarious because John Harbaugh yep. wanted to keep that rushing record alive. And instead of kneeling the ball against the Broncos ran it on fourth and nine. I mean, there's a lot to go on there. Um, but yeah, when you put up 525 yards passing, you're not going to hear me complain that week long sided or that's very short side of you. The long, the longer view of it. Um, yeah. Zach Taylor during Joe Pro's uh, rookie contract window scares me because this is it. the best window you can ask for as a franchise. Oh, you have arguably like four of your top five players, including your franchise quarterback are all going to be on rookie deals with chase burrow Higgins, um, Jesse Bates, who they're going to have to pay now. And then Hendrickson at defensive end is paid, but that's three of your five guys for the next three years are going to be on rookie deals. That's unheard of in the NFL. Yep. Um, that comes around literally once every once in a lifetime, the bills are kind of going through that right now, but they've had to pay some guys and you've seen, they haven't been as good because of it. Yep. Um, the Bengals are set up. This is their one chance 
I hope they put all chips in. Um, yeah, I'm a little worried that Zach Taylor is going to be the guy during the entire window, most likely. I am um, too, because I want them to be. I'm, I'm based in Cincinnati. For those of you who do not know yet, but um, yep. I, I want them to be good. Like I'm a Bucks fan, but I want the Bengals to be good. And they invest in that offensive line. They got a real shot. But like my perfect, and I I know we had talked about it over Twitter at one point. But like perfect example of why Zach Taylor scares the shit out of me for this team. Overtime game. You took the ball out of your best player's hand, Joey Burrow, who had been playing fantastic. I think PFF graded him out as number one quarterback that week. You took the ball completely out of his hands and you played for a field goal. Like that type of mentality, like perfectly sums up my fear of Zach Taylor. Now, granted, he's young. I don't think he should have ever been hired as head coach. He had a cup of coffee with Sean McVay and the Bengals were like, hire you during the McVay craziness of hiring all his assistants. You know, there are things to learn. Maybe he'll learn and, and. you know, be better than what we think, but like that's like that. If you had to bottle down the Zach Taylor experience, that game perfectly summed it up. Where you had Joe Burrow, who was playing great the entire game, you get to overtime, you're trying to win the game, and you take the ball out of his hands and you neuter him. And like that to me was just like, this guy's got to go. It's just example it, 1000, but it like perfectly sums it up. It's, uh, yeah, it's worrisome. Um, what I do like about Taylor, specifically that example, um, in the post game presser take this for what you will like whether or not this stuff matters none of us know bill belichick has never said anything worthwhile in a press conference and he's the best coach of all time (laughs) but taylor did say like i lost sleep or i yeah i lost sleep over taking the ball out of joe burr's hands like i I messed that up that one's on me um i I like that shit especially given i went through the marvin lewis era when it was all about hey we, we just weren't good enough today yeah, we weren't good enough today, and that came out through the players too. Like I can remember specific examples um, when Andy Dalton against the Chargers. Which, if you want to go have a fun YouTube clip, <laughs> go watch those highlights. Andy Dalton Chargers 2015 playoff game. Um, I remember times when Andy Dalton like we just weren't good enough today. When it was obvious that Andy Dalton wasn't good enough right. today. <laughs> like take take it upon yourself. So you hear Joe Burrow in the press conference say, hey, I wasn't good enough today. That's part of the reason why we lost. Like, you aren't hearing negative things about any of the players. All the players that spoke negative about Zach Taylor, Zach Taylor got out of there. That's like the Carlos Dunlap of the world. They let walk. um, And he was good for Seattle that year. But, I mean, the culture has completely shifted. Um, It's a completely different feel for the organization. There's some game management stuff, obviously, that I'm not crazy about with Zach Taylor. I think he's way too heavy on first down runs as well. Yes. Um, but overall, given what the last five years have been, yeah, um, this is fun. This right. is good. I'm going to enjoy it while it lasts. And if in two months from now, Zach Taylor has a playoff win under his belt, I can tell you right now, he's going nowhere. That's what the sense it, like, Yep. I Sure, I want to win a Super Bowl. I want to win a playoff game never seen one in my life that's what i'm ready for and this team is capable of doing absolutely Um, so we'll see my opinion on taylor uh is not the highest but i think it would be insane to it's just not going to happen they're not going to fire a guy that's nine and six right um so that's it's my guy i'm going to support him um and if he lets joe burrow cook i will not complain there you go i like it all righty anything else before we wrap this up um, just want Xavier basketball back. That's oh, it. God. I think you're in the same boat as me. So do I. That team, for those of you out there who are sleeping, as long as things stay well and we don't get derailed here with COVID, that is a that's a sleeping that's a sleeping threat in the Big East, to say the least. I mean, if, people were mad about the Villanova Johnson, game. 
if Nate Johnson, Adam Kunkel hit threes, that team can uh, be as good as any Xavier team maybe ever. Top three-ish type of Xavier team. They got the potential. But those two guys, those two guys have to hit shots. Correct. Yep. And Steele's got to, you know, coach a little bit better, which there are signs of improvement on that front. Agreed. And people are getting on him for the Villanova game. It's like one team has won at Villanova since they joined the, like since the Big East realignment. No, no, like, no, 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 no. Let's chill out. Like we played competitive. Were there mistakes, coaching mistakes and like lineups? Yeah, absolutely. But like that was a hell of a competitive yeah. game. We played well. Travis Steele. Yeah. Travis Steele didn't shoot 0 for 15. In Correct. Half, I mean, <laughs> and turn over the ball in nightmare situations. Like, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, realistically, I was, kind of happy after the Villanova game. Like we went in, showed ourselves that we can play with this team. Correct. Um, but we're not good enough yet. We still need to work. Correct. It's Don't, early in the season. You know, yeah, it's early in the season. Don't freak out after losing to Nova ever, especially yep. at, at Nova, Nova on campus. Yeah. They've lost yeah, once, I think, since the realignment. <laughs> once. Yeah. Trivia for you. I think it was Butler is the only team that I has won you're on right. campus. Um, but yeah, no, don't, don't get too discouraged. I like this Xavier team way more than I did at the start of the season. Yep. They're running um, form. Yeah. And we'll a lot of that's because Nunji is a legitimate yep. big man powerhouse and Correct. can get buckets when the offense is dead. Correct. Yep. hundred percent agree with that take. Um, it's also the other thing for Xavier fans and big East fans and college basketball fans. One of the best benefits of the big East is everybody plays each other twice. We're going to see Villanova again. Iron sharpens iron. Like, I'm a big believer in that, especially in basketball. It's all about reps. Getting reps against really quality good teams is only going to be bigger. So if you're a college basketball fan, this is a year that, once again, I think, as long as everything doesn't get derailed with Team Xavier and the Big East as a whole, come tournament time, Big East teams are going to be dangerous this year, I think. The Big East is a fully, fully back to its kind of, like, mantle of, like, oh, yeah, this is a damn good basketball conference. Everybody's a threat on every given night. Yep. Agreed completely. Um, I just want to watch it. Nice. All right. yeah. <laughs> Same. We need a little flex scheduling here, guys. Let's get with the times. All right. Exactly. We got teams sitting on their hands that could be playing basketball this weekend. Let's have a little creativity here. Um, yep. Yeah. It's a ridiculous joke, but whatever. All right. That does it for us today. Thank you for coming on again. It was a good one. Of course. We'll have you back on. Everybody, make sure you're checking in to the playoff games. We got some more stuff coming. We'll see what happens this week. Should be a fun one. Yep. We'll- Looking Nice. All righty. As always. Right, I think the internet internet yeah. went dead at the end. <laughs> I was going to say it went completely dead. But as always, everybody, peace. Nice. Yeah, yeah.